watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Beheim! Wow, is that silence in a little bit. Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Don't up. Fit. Pop pass in the middle. Tucker's got it. Room to run. 15-10. Hit. Oh. Hit in. Bradley's touchdown. The Bills make me want to Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It goes to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing into this. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On the Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7, FM, heard wherever you are, whatever you are doing on E, the E, the E, the E, the E, what happened, did I, did I skip there, did I get stuck, just messing with you, the ESPN app, Great place to uh, take us with you wherever you go. And for the love of God, take it outside, please. It is 73 degrees currently in Syracuse, New York on November 4th. I'm wearing shorts. I played golf today. Like, you just got to take advantage of these days. Because, like, you can wake up tomorrow, though I don't think tomorrow is going to be like this. I think it's actually going to be nicer than today, as a matter of fact. But we know how this goes. It starts getting dark earlier. And one day it's 70. The next day it's 30. And we... Where are we? Is this fall? Is this winter? Where are we? Is it Thanksgiving? Is it Christmas? Our pets' heads are falling off. Like we can't figure out where we're at. Here's what I know. The sun is shining. It is 73 degrees on the in-studio thermometer. It's going to be 75 tomorrow. It's going to be uh, 73 on Sunday, although the rain is coming Sunday. But then I look at all next week for the most part, starting Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. 60s and sun, like just soak it in, man. Soak it in. Get that vitamin D. And take us with you on the ESPN app, on the radio, or this way, acusesportstalk.com, a place where you can interact with the program uh, via the website, in the chat. You can take us uh, with you wherever you go there on acusesportstalk.com as well. I mean, we just make it easy for you. We're here for you. We're here for the people to make it easier to Talk sports with us, not only on the radio, but during radio breaks when we keep the mic and the camera on, on QSportsTalk.com, and keep the conversation going with you. It is Football Friday. We are jacked and ready to go for another Football Friday. Ladies and gentlemen, and uh, we hope you enjoy uh, the guests that will drop some knowledge on us today. We hope uh, you enjoy the commentary. We hope you listen to the pick six because Uncle Brent's hot. Eight and four the last two weeks. Came pretty close on a couple of those losses, by the way. I should be probably like 10 and two, to be honest with you. But that's football, Susan. But the pick six awaits. Brian Drake is going to help you win in fantasy football this weekend. He'll join us next hour. Presented by Liverpool Pool and Spa. Eric Dungy will join us this hour. We are excited to bring you another Football Friday. We'll get into the World Series a little bit and the latest on Kyrie Irving, of course, with the Nets 
little too late in some ways, but um, sometimes you got to take the long road to the the right decision. And the Nets finally did it. The NBA, while still looking pretty weak in this whole thing, finally did it. And and an appropriate punishment has been put out there. And this is probably not the last we're going to hear of this. So we will get into that a little bit bit during hot takes. Our guest, as mentioned, you can join us at 437-7644. Brent Axe Media on Twitter, or as mentioned, the live chat at QSportsTalk.com. Looking forward to getting Eric Dungy's thoughts on this game coming up in about 20 minutes, but uh, for now you're just going to have to deal with mine. We wake up the voice guy, give you a little emphasis on these things. I could just give you the five keys to the game. I could do that, but we get a little help. Number one. Yeah, that's how we do it. He's always ready. He's just right there. Ready? Point number one, spread the wealth. Now, Brent, haven't you been saying that a little bit the past couple of weeks? I have. While Aronde Gatson has become a primary target in this offense, and Michael Johnson, Syracuse wide receiver coach, said this very thing on the Dino Baber show last night. Well, Aronde is a guy who has great DNA. You know, his dad played in the NFL. uh, But he's a guy that's not afraid of the moment. Uh, No matter what the situation is, two-minute drive, end of the game, end of the first half, you know, he's a guy that really steps up and steps into the moment and does a great job of getting open. He does some things that are uncharacteristic, and he moves a certain way, but he really knows how to get open and get to the open space. And Garrett, they've had a great relationship so far. And that's great. And Ganson had four catches for 78 yards a week ago and a touchdown. But you know who else had a touchdown? Demarcus Adams had a touchdown. Demarcus Adams had two catches for 43 yards, including a 30-yard gain. You know who else caught a few passes last week? Sean Tucker. Four catches, 32 yards. Hatcher, two catches, 26 yards. Trevor Pena, I don't know why they got away from that. I liked how active Trevor Pena was in the passing game early in the Notre Dame game, and then they just kind of faded that out. I don't know if that was part of like the scripted plays at the beginning, why that adjustment was not made, but I like that. Alford just seems to have one big catch a game. Cooper was targeted but didn't catch anything. Courtney Jackson didn't catch anything. When you have your leading receiver from a year ago who has vanished in the passing game, listen, you got to hit the reset button on that. They've got to find him again. You got to get Courtney Jackson involved. You got to get, they have targeted Cooper at times and he's had some drops, but you just don't forget about him. Don't you forget about me. You got to involve him in the passing game. You mentioned some of those other names that are there. See, the thing is, last week against Notre Dame, they did start to do this. And then the game took on a different tenor. You had a different quarterback in there. Whatever we see in terms of the quarterback, if it's Carlos Del Rio Wilson, if it's Garrett Schrader, I feel like if it's Carlos Del Rio Wilson, he's going to look for a Rondé Gatson, but I feel like there's you know, an opportunity to hit the reset button and just throw to the guy that's open. So Pittsburgh defense that, you know, has a terrific cornerback. They've got Cervantia Dennis, who's a Pittsburgh uh, linebacker, but from Syracuse, as we know, great playmaker. They've got one of the best defensive tackles in the ACC, who, by the way, we thought was not going to be on the field for the first half of this game. But uh, Kalijah Kansi is going to play the first half of this game. He had a targeting thing against North Carolina. But as far as I know, correct me if I'm wrong, boys, he's going to be on the field the whole game. It's like Syracuse, though. There's names that pop, but they have their vulnerabilities on defense, which is something we'll discuss here in the keys of the game. 
but attack, spread the wealth, reignite some of these names, throw something at Pittsburgh, throw something at Pat Narduzzi that Pat Narduzzi has not seen. You can still do that. You can still do that in game nine. You can still do that with a little bit of a reset necessary, and you especially can do it. Now, if Carlos Del Rio Wilson plays, then it's going to be a limited game plan because you don't want to put too much on his plate, but that can be part of a limited game plan. That can be part of keep it basic, throw to who's open, look at the film, Jackson's open, Cooper's open, this guy's open, find the open man, spread the wealth while utilizing your weapon in a Ronde Gatson. Number two. Use the mystery, and I think we have to attach an asterisk to this if it's Carlos Del Rio Wilson. Now, Pat Narduzzi has some film of Carlos Del Rio Wilson, right? But he doesn't have a lot of it. He knows the physical attributes. You can see that the velocity in his passes is crisper than Garrett Schrader. He's as big, if not bigger, than Garrett Schrader. He can take off and run. He wasn't lost in the moment. I was struck by how many people, players we talked to this week, you know, Dino Babers is always going to be a little harsher in his, in his grade, but even he was impressed with the uh, the composure in which Carlos Del Rio Wilson came out and played with. Now, it's different when you run on the field and you're jacked up full of adrenaline, and he even made the change at halftime, so he did have a little time to process. It wasn't just like run out there because Schrader got hurt. Now, in theory, if he does play, he's had a week to process, a week to work with the receivers, a week to be the guy. Use the mystery to your advantage. Pat Narduzzi's got more film than Marcus Freeman did, but he doesn't have much. So that kind of correlates with spread the wealth in key number one, but if it is Carlos Del Rio Wilson out there tomorrow, use it to your advantage, particularly in the first half. Make Pitt think about where he's going and what he's doing. Throw some wrinkles out there. Take some chances. Because the theory would be get him comfortable, be conservative, throw the ball to Gatson, take what the defense gives you. I look at it another way. I look at it as jump on Pittsburgh, jump on the mystery. Now, you're taking some chances there because if he doesn't get comfortable and all of a sudden he's you know not in rhythm with his receivers, Pittsburgh kind of figures some things out. Maybe they hit him a few times, and it's a little different than the situation he was in last week. But that's the risk you take. That's why you develop a backup quarterback. We'll get Dungy's thoughts on this certainly coming up. But use the mystery is key number two. Let's go to number three. Number three. Get back to basics. We were starting to see it with Tucker last week, but then again, the way that game went, you had to throw the ball a little bit more. You got a different quarterback in the second half. I think some plans just kind of went by the wayside, and you're trying to get back in that game any way you can. Last week, Sean Tucker ran the ball 16 times for 60 yards and a touchdown, including a 21-yard run. That's better than the week prior when he only had five carries, but we know he can do more than that, right? You do want to balance some things out. I understand that, but that's just short of his sweet spot. I'd like to see that around 20 or 21 carries in this game. Tucker last week had four catches for 32 yards, 13-yarder being his longest in that stretch, as we mentioned. I'd like to see that number a little higher. At the very least, I'd like to see the targets a little higher. So when I say get back to basics, make Sean Tucker the centerpiece of your offense. And I know that Pittsburgh's going to be expecting that. Everybody expects that. Much like Syracuse is going to, as we'll get to in a later key here, center in on one particular player for Pitt, which is the heart and soul of their offense. 
I want to see that Sean Tucker again. Because I think, I'm not Dr. Axe here, I just play one on the radio, but I feel like Tucker is back to about close to 100% healthy as he's been. I was watching some highlights earlier this week of Tucker actually going into the pit game last year. It was the last game of the year, right? And he had started to slow down a bit. Some teams had kind of keyed in on him late in the season. But, man, the burst, the second-tier speed. I mean, this guy just was all-world at that point. We haven't really seen, other than in spots, that hit you in the face Sean Tucker this year. Maybe we're just spoiled by the numbers that he gets. But he's clearly been affected by injury. Defense is keying in on him. The circumstance of how certain games have gone. So when I say get back to basics, I mean just make Tucker the workhorse. I want to see the creativity, as mentioned, with Carlos Del Rio Wilson, if he's, in fact, the quarterback. If Schrader's the quarterback, then, you know, you're back to, I would assume, a a Schrader that can at least move, can bring the elements to the offense that he's best at. So that's great if you've got your veteran in there who knows what he's doing and, and, you know, is back in connection with these guys. But if, in fact, it is Carlos Del Rio Wilson, how much pressure can Sean Tucker take off this guy? Get back to basics. Get back to what you do with Sean Tucker. Number four. Takeaway time. I know Garrett Williams is out. That's significant. I feel like Syracuse can still get some takeaways. This is a team that has 14 takeaways. They're back in that ball hawk mentality. We have seen... Other players step up. Jihad Carter, notably. Deuce Chestnut, always a threat to get out there and grab an interception. The mind frame of these linebackers, names I'm not mentioning here, because I think Slovis is right for the picking. Good luck trying to grab a turnover from Izzy Abanacanda, their terrific running back, who will be a part of key number five. But I think you can get to Slovis. When Pitt does have to throw the ball, and if I'm Pitt, I look at that Notre Dame film, and while Pitt is not as physically talented as Notre Dame, I'll put it that way, they got some big boys on that offensive line, and you don't need me to tell you about their terrific running game, right? They can run the football. That is going to be a concern, no question about it. But I feel like Syracuse can find some takeaways on this field with Slovis, special teams, you know, make something happen. And I feel like they're going to need three in this game. That sounds like a lot. That sounds greedy, but I feel like they're capable of it. I feel like they have the mentality to do it, and I feel like takeaways, they're always important in football games, but I feel like we're going to look at the end of this game at the box score, and you're going to look at takeaways, and whoever had more wins this thing. And Syracuse has more of a takeaway mentality than Pittsburgh, So let's just put that in there. It's an obvious key. I understand that, but I feel like it's going to be big in this game. Number five. Hold the line. Look, Syracuse has just been flat out pushed around the last two weeks. There's no way around this. Clemson pushed them around. Notre Dame pushed them around. There's got to be some pride that comes into play with this. There's got to be a team that looks at itself at some point and says, okay, look. Clemson's Clemson, Notre Dame's Notre Dame, and while the players I talked to this week said they felt like they held their own against these teams, you didn't hold your own last week. You got pushed all over the field. So this applies to both sides of the ball, but particularly the defense. I know this defense is hurting. I know this defense has some injuries on it, notably Garrett Williams, but man, 
This defense talks about the mob mentality, and I just talked about the takeaways and what they're capable of. Their pride's hurting a little bit here. They are due for a bounce back. And one of the reasons that Syracuse has not gone to Pittsburgh and won a football game since 2001, it's a myriad of factors, but Pitt is just always more physical. It doesn't matter who the coach is. It feels like that's just something about the Steel City, the blue-collar mentality, the way they play football. They've had a run of great running backs. Obviously, have had some terrific uh, players all over the map. Kenny Pickett comes to mind, and others come to mind. You can go through all the names. I mean, go back to Larry Fitzgerald, Aaron Donald, right? Pitt has had some high-level talent come through there. Credit to them, no matter who the coach has been. But, man, Syracuse has got to hold the line. Push back a little bit. Take this series back a little bit. And it starts with that defensive line, and I get how good Izzy Abanacanda is. He's going to get his carries. He's going to get big gains. He's going to get in the end zone a couple of times. You just have to concede that, but, man, make his day miserable. Gang tackle him, swat for the ball, take him down, get some shots in on him when you can wrap him up. Send a message. I have not seen this enough the past couple of weeks. I understand it's a little tougher to do against Clemson and Notre Dame, and I know how Pitt plays, but I feel like this is a team that Syracuse is at the very least even with. There are even matchups all over the field. Make them your advantage. Don't just go down there and get pushed around for a third straight week. That applies to the offensive line, too. I want to see some aggressiveness on this offensive line. I want to see Sean Tucker burst through some big holes. I want to see some Pittsburgh guys on their back. Because I just haven't gotten that feeling the last two weeks. I think the Clemson game, we saw it for about two and a half quarters before that game swung. Right? And if anything, Syracuse's aggressiveness worked against them because of the sideline hit, the bogus penalty there, and Syracuse has had a myriad of penalty issues through the season, right? So I get why this can lead to bad things, but I just want to see a team with attitude again because that's slipped a little bit the past couple of weeks. The swagger, the mob mentality, all these things, you know, it's not completely gone. It's still there. This team is still together. I'm not worried about chemistry, but I want to see a team hold the line tomorrow. I don't want to be talking on a post-game show or thinking after the game or thinking during the game, talking to you on Twitter, whatever the case may be, saying, man, they're getting pushed around again. And I know they're hurting, and I know there's some injuries here, but uh, welcome to football. Dino Babers' November record is terrible. Syracuse has a tendency to fall apart at this time of the year. Well, the weather's going to be great, so it's not one of those cold, miserable 20-degree days that Syracuse has played in Pittsburgh in the month of November at, at varying times. Like, this is as even as it gets. If anything, I still think Syracuse has some advantages over Pittsburgh. So hold the line. You be the team that pushes people around on both sides of the ball for once in this game, in this series, and particularly right here, right now. Coming off the last two weeks, Clemson and Notre Dame beat you up a little bit. That should have you ready for this game. Not the other way. Not, oh boy, they're starting to hurting a little bit, their prides are, no, it should have you hungry and hurting and ready for this one. Yeah, you're hurting a little bit. Tell me somebody who is in college football right now. We will get Eric Dungy's thoughts on all of this coming up, including the, the quarterback situation, how best you handle something like that, 
You got a quarterback who's not quite a hundred percent, but man, he wants to play. But you got to make a decision that's best for the team. Dungy has been in that spot, and he can give us a lot better insight on that than I can. So we will talk to the Syracuse quarterback legend, presented by Liverpool Pool and Spa, when we come back. You're on the block, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. Don't go anywhere. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. And here we go. The pick six, ladies and gentlemen, the six biggest games in football is picked by yours truly. We start on the world of college football. Tennessee at Georgia. The Doggies minus eight and a half. Georgia has won 23 consecutive regular season games, the second longest streak in school history. But Tennessee's up-tempo offense comes into Georgia's stingy defense, leading the nation in scoring at 49 points per game. In total offense at 553 yards per game. And a 198.51 passing efficiency. They've scored at least 30 points in an SEC best 11 straight games. A school record, but Georgia. Ranks second in the nation in scoring defense at 10.5 points per game. The Bulldogs are fourth in total defense at 262 yards per game. They're fifth against the run. They're at home. The Doggies, minus eight and a half. Smack Tennessee in the mouth. Say we're number one. Alabama at LSU, the night game in Baton Rouge. Bama's minus 13 and a half. Bama is 29-2 in a 29-9-2 all-time in Baton Rouge and hasn't lost there since 2010. They're not going to lose there in 2022 either. The winner controls the race for the SEC West, a berth in the SEC title game. Bryce Young against LSU's defensive front, his right shoulder back in good shape after a bye week. Big numbers in nine games against ranked teams, averaging 335 yards, 22 touchdowns against six picks. Bama, minus 13 and a half. Roll Tide! Taking some big numbers in these games, but we're going with the favorites this week. Wake Forest and NC State. Wake is a three-point favorite on the road here. NC State has erased deficits of 14 and 18 points to win their last two home games over Florida State and Virginia Tech. The past two meetings between these two have been decided by a score of 45-42 exactly. That won't be the score, but Wake Forest is going to bounce back. They're going to take the points. They're going to win in Raleigh, take down NC State. We're going with uh, Wake minus three there. Three favorites in college. Give me the Deacons to bounce back. Let's move on to the world of the National Football League. The Chargers at Atlanta. L.A. is 3-0 against the spread on the road this year. Atlanta's 3-0 against the spread as a home dog. 6-1 against the spread overall this season. Atlanta's won three straight games at home for the first time since 2015. Atlanta's allowed 306 passing yards per game, but the Chargers have a number of injuries at wide receiver. The Chargers rank last in yards per rush, 27th in opponents rushing yards per game. Give me the Dirty Birds, plus three at home. You're giving Atlanta three at home? It's Dirty Bird time, baby. Give me Atlanta. The Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills. Visit The New York Jets, a 13-point favorite in this game. New York, the largest home underdog by any team with a winning record since 2007. The Bills have had the Jets to 17 or fewer points in six straight games. Sauce Gardner, we gave you the stats earlier. Not going to matter. The Buffalo Bills. Big 
roll on the Jets. I've taken three numbers today over 13 points because I'm feeling it on three great teams in three big games there. Finally, give me the Titans plus 12 and a half at Kansas City. Tennessee's 5-0 and outright and against the spread in their last five. The last four Tennessee games have gone under the total. Kansas City's 0-3 against the spread at home this season. Remember the Titans. We're back after this.